0: Dr. O'Donnell, Christenham College faculty and staff, distinguished guests, family and friends, I offer you all my cordial greetings and sincere gratitude for giving Nancy and me this distinct honor and privilege of being here today on this hallowed ground to celebrate with you the triumph of Christenham College's graduating class of 2020. Graduates, I offer you my heartfelt and hearty congratulations, well done, You've earned it. May God bless you. It's a joy to be here to celebrate your grand achievement. If they ever update the movie, Back to the Future, the scene where Doc shows Marty how to time travel in the DeLorean should include this new advice. Great Scott, Marty. Whatever you do, don't set it to 2020. My dear Christendom College class of 2020, you sure picked quite a year to graduate, didn't you? I mean, think of the momentous events that have unfolded thus far this year in just the past seven months. We witnessed the first sitting president of the United States to attend the annual March for Life in person. We witnessed... We also witnessed the impeachment and acquittal of a U.S. president only the third time ever in U.S. history. The first time it took place shortly after the conclusion of our nation's brutal, baleful, and barbaric civil war. What else have we seen this year? The Boy Scouts of America filed for bankruptcy. The Utah Senate decriminalized polygamy. Bill Gates left Microsoft to concentrate on things like mass vaccination programs. A tragic helicopter accident took the life of basketball superstar Kobe Bryant. The United Kingdom withdrew from the European Union. The Summer Olympics were postponed. A record 22 million Americans filed for unemployment in a single month. Massive damage has been done to the US economy. A police officer knelt on a black man, George Floyd's neck, during an arrest and killed him. This sparked massive waves of violent civil unrest that still sweep the country with widespread protests, riots, and looting. Police departments across the country are being systematically defunded and dismantled. Scores of statues and monuments of secular as well as religious figures have been toppled and torn down across the country, including images of our revered St. Junipero Serra, as well as Christopher Columbus and other important figures in American history. My own home city of Columbus, Ohio, could very well be forced to change its name if things continue as they currently are. Could any of us have even slightly imagined any of those things one year ago? I couldn't have. We are witnessing an alarming rise in violent attacks against Christian churches around the country, as well as an increase in vandalism of sacred images of our Lord and our Lady. But wait, I feel as though I'm leaving something out. Ah, yes, COVID-19, which is why you're sitting so far apart and why we wear masks from time to time. Since March, the COVID-19 pandemic has battered this country and changed everything. This is why, of course, we are met here today in August to celebrate and salute your graduation, originally scheduled to take place in early May, even as Christendom College prepares to welcome its incoming freshman class and returning students just two weeks from now. What a difference seven months make. And the year isn't even over. Before we get there, less than three months from now, our nation will once again, for the 59th time in American history, go to the polls and elect a president. This time-honored and time-tested exercise of our, free, of our rights as a free people to choose our chief executive has more or less peacefully been effected a transition of power and national continuity from one presidential administration to another since 1788, when our first president, George Washington, was elected. And yet, given all the upheaval and uncertainty that this completely unforeseeable crazy year of 2020 has brought us, I couldn't blame anyone for wondering if something might unfold differently this time around. Regardless of who is elected or reelected in November, let us pray for peace in our country. May God have mercy on us. Lord, save your people. Christendom College Class of 2020, I feel a special eagerness and urgency not only to congratulate you today, something you all amply deserve, but more importantly, to encourage you and to exhort you to courageously step forward now and take your places in the ranks of the church. We need you. We need well-formed, well-educated young, and, young men and women just like you who know how to think clearly. Now more than ever, we need that. Today, you are standing at the forefront of a long line of Catholic ancestors, your foremothers, foremothers and forefathers who came before you, and in due time, countless more will come after you. Earl Hamner, Jr., creator of the television program The Waltons, was born and raised here in Virginia, not very far from this blessed campus, set high like a city on a hill on the banks of the majestic Shenandoah River. He wrote of his own family and ancestors and their enduring connection to this place, saying, there is something within us that tells us all we will ever know about ourselves. There is a destiny that tells us where we will be born, where we will live, and where we will die. Some men are drawn to oceans, they cannot breathe unless the air is scented with a salty mist. Others are drawn to land that is flat and the air is sullen and as leaden as August. My people were drawn to mountains, he says. They came when the country was young and they settled in the upland country of Virginia that is still misted with a haze of blue which gives those mountains their name. They endured and they prevailed through flood and famine diphtheria and scarlet fever, through drought and forest fire, whooping cough and loneliness, through Indian wars, a civil war, a world war, and then through the Great Depression, they endured and they prevailed. In my time, I have come to know them. Hamner speaks of those who, close as family, were our neighbors linked to us in ties as strong as blood. Gentility and graciousness lived there too the past flowing into the present, the present blending with yesterday. He says, I have walked in the the land in the footsteps of my fathers back in time to where the first one trod and stopped, saw sky, felt wind, bent to touch mother earth and called this home, this mountain, this pine and hemlock, oak and poplar, laurel, wild and rhododendron, home and mountain, father, mother, grow to the sons and daughters to walk the old paths, to look back in pride and honored heritage, to hear its laughter and its song, to grow to stand and be themselves one day remembered. I have walked the land in the footsteps of all my fathers. I saw yesterday and now look to tomorrow. These mellifluous words speak a truth to us today even more sublime and far more important than our family relations and love for the place where we grew up. Indeed, Mr. Hamner's message should for us here and now evoke memories of an undying love for our astonishing, magnificent, tumultuous, at times arduous and harrowing, but always glorious and purpose-driven 2,000-year history of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Established firmly, immovably, permanently by our Lord Jesus Christ on the rock of Peter, against which he declared that not even the gates of hell could prevail. Let us remember today, with hearts filled with gratitude and encouragement, our Catholic forefathers and foremothers, those countless Catholic men, women, boys, and girls who loved and lived the Catholic faith with fidelity and perseverance, sometimes amidst hardship and deprivation, rejection, and even persecution. Their memory calls to us from the past and encourages us to be faithful and steadfast today as they were then members of the great cloud of witnesses. The epistle to the Hebrews beseeches us to emulate in our own lives today. To learn from them and follow in their footsteps, and like they did, Run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, graduates, don't be discouraged by 2020 at all the crazy things that it has thrown at us thus far. True, the worst of it may be behind you, please God, But maybe the best is yet to come, the best is yet to come, in that more and bigger challenges may still be ahead of us. And if so, praise God. The church was made for such times. You have been well-prepared for such times. You've just finished four years of intense academic training that has equipped you, heart, mind, and soul, to go forth confidently, joyfully, and courageously into the lives God has prepared for you from all eternity. As it says in Ephesians 2, for you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. For some of you, this means a call to the happiness and challenges of married life, and God's plan for your happiness may very likely mean you will be fruitful and multiply. And when the time comes, Just remember that Patrick is a very good name for a boy. (laughs) For some of you, this means the Lord has called you to the priesthood or to religious life so that you too can be spiritually fruitful and multiply God's blessings to many others through your prayer, service, and ministry. But for all of you, each one of you, a great adventure of God's loving providence is unfolding before you today as you take the next steps forward in your journey to our heavenly homeland. So I leave you with three suggestions on how to best accomplish this mission that God has set before you. The three suggestions are, number one, don't be afraid to live the truth. Don't be afraid to speak the truth. And don't be afraid to suffer for the truth. Let's go through those three briefly. Don't be afraid to live the truth can be as simple as making the commitment from the very beginning of your married life to never fall into the temptation of using contraception. A big part of what Pope John Paul II referred to so famously as the culture of death. Live the truth in a way that others will see it, and when they see your children coming forth, they will know that you are convicted of these principles so much so that you're willing to live them. You're not going to go along to get along. Don't be afraid to speak the truth, and at times this is easier said than done. I'm sure all of us can tell stories. One story I'll tell you briefly involves my lovely wife Nancy when we had uh, just had our 11th child, who's now the tallest one in the family, a big moose, and uh, she was having a particularly difficult day lots of busyness around the house, so I asked her if she would like to go out to the local Olive Garden for dinner, and we'd let the older kids make dinner, and she heaved a sigh of relief, and she said, yes, let's do that. So we got our baby, put him in the car, we drove to the Olive Garden, and as the waitress was seating us, she gave us our menus, and she said, looking at our little baby in the baby carrier, she said to Nancy, she said, is this your first child? So my lovely wife, since she and I have many times heard all the questions that are typically asked, don't you have a television? Don't you know what causes this? Are you through having children? All the typical questions that people will ask. She looked at me and silently she said, do you want to tell her? And I shook my head, no honey, you tell her. So she sweetly smiled up at the waitress and said, no, he's not our first child, he's our 11th child. Now at this, the poor woman was beside herself. She was flustered, she didn't know what to say, so she ran off and got four or five other waitresses, (laughs) brought them to our table. And over the space of about two, three minutes, they were all shocked and amazed and disapproving too. I could see them looking at Nancy thinking, you poor thing, 11 children. And they were looking at me thinking, you monster, how could you do this to your wife? And then came all of uh, their own personal contraceptive habits. They were talking about one said, well, we have two kids and I'm on the pill, that's enough for me. And then one said, well, I got my tubes tied. And the other one said, well, I made my husband have a vasectomy. And I'm sitting there thinking, I just came here for a plate of lasagna. I'm not interested in these details at this moment. But it was very negative, and you could see that they thought we were freaks. So, in the middle of all this, Nancy, sweetly, smiled up at these disapproving women, and she said, very matter-of-factly, she said, well, my husband and I believe that children are a blessing from God, and we believe in being open to life so that God will bless our marriage. And that's all she said, but I think of it as if she had poured water on a campfire, because... All of their comments stopped, they all went back to work, and we laughed. Another funny story to tell. Little did we realize that after dinner was over and I paid the bill, we got our little son, and we walked out to our minivan, which was parked at the far end of the parking lot. And Nancy will tell you, every time we drive by Olive Garden, I mention this story, and I talk about how it all happened. She's heard it a million times, but we were getting into our minivan, and we heard footsteps running up behind us. I turned around, it was our waitress, and she had run all the way to the end of the parking lot where we were parked, it was nighttime, and under the street lamp above, I could see tears in this woman's eyes, and she came up kind of out of breath. She said, oh, I'm glad I caught you. I just want to say thank you. Now, I knew she wasn't speaking to me because the tip was not extravagant by any means. She was speaking to Nancy, and she said, what you said in there about children being a blessing from God and you want to be open to life so that God will bless your marriage. She said, when you said that, it just stirred my heart. She said, I realized that's true. And she said, I've been on the pill for years now, but she said, I've decided I'm getting off the pill. I'm going to go home tonight and tell my husband what your wife, or what, telling Nancy what you said to me. And she said, I just you changed my heart, and I just want to thank you. And she gave Nancy a hug, and she went back in. We've never seen her again. But I am convinced that in heaven, at least one person, maybe more than one, will come up to my wife and tap her on the shoulder and say, excuse me, um, you don't know me, but my mom was your waitress at an Olive Garden a long time ago, and something you said changed everything, which is now why I'm here. I really do believe that, all joking aside. When we are not afraid to speak the truth, there's room there for miracles. Lastly, do not be afraid to suffer for the truth. And I'll leave you with a quick little story. It's a true story told by a man named Greg O'Leary. I love telling this story. I've told it a million times. I hope I can tell it another million times, but I share it today with you. Think about this story in the context of how you are not to be afraid to suffer for the truth, if that's what's necessary. I was walking down a dimly lit street late one evening when I heard muffled screams coming from behind a clump of bushes. Alarmed, I slowed down to listen and panicked when I realized that what I was hearing were the unmistakable sounds of a struggle. Heaving, grunting, frantic scuffling, the tearing of fabric. Only yards from where I stood, a woman was being attacked. Should I get involved? I was frightened for my own safety and cursed myself for having suddenly decided to take a new route home that night. What if I became a victim? Shouldn't I just run away and call the police and let them handle it? Although it seemed like an eternity, the deliberations in my head had taken only seconds, but already the girls' cries were growing weaker. I knew I had to act fast. How could I walk away from this? No, I finally resolved. I could not turn my back on the fate of this unknown woman even if it meant risking my own life. I am not a brave man, nor am I athletic. I don't know where I found the moral courage and the physical strength, but once I had finally resolved to help the girl, I became strangely transformed. I ran behind the bushes and grabbed the assailant and pulled him off the woman. Grappling and punching, we fell to the ground where we wrestled for a few minutes until the attacker jumped up and ran away. Panting hard, I scrambled upright and approached the girl, who was crouched behind a tree, sobbing. In the darkness, I could barely see her outline, but I could certainly sense her trembling shock. Not wanting to frighten her further, I at first spoke to her from a distance. I said, it's okay, the man ran away, you're safe now. There was a long pause, and then I heard her words uttered in wonder and amazement. Dad, is that you? And then from behind the tree stepped my youngest daughter, Catherine. This true story has made such an indelible impression upon me because it reminds me, as I hope it will remind you, of the moments where we are called upon through God's providence to step forward and not be afraid to suffer for the truth. What if that man had gone home that night after taking the cowardly way out and not having done anything and turned on the 11 p.m. news and saw a picture of his own daughter on the TV. I can't even think about it. So, in conclusion, given everything that 2020 has thrown at us and whatever else may follow, we're made for these times, the church is made for these times, so I leave you with a mission statement called the Fellowship of the Unashamed. I hope and pray that all of us here today could confidently and cheerfully subscribe to this mission statement. I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast, the decision has been made. I have stepped over the line. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present is focused on Christ, and my future is in His hands. I am finished and done with low living, slight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, mundane talking, frivolous living, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, praise, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, the best, recognized by others, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean on Christ's presence, love with patience, live by prayer, and labor with the power of Almighty God. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few. My guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, or slow up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and spoken up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm a Catholic. I must go until he comes, give until I drop, speak out until all around me have heard, and work until he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me, for my banner is clear. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Thank you. Congratulations, class of 2020, and may God bless you.